Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. My name is Austin. I'm one of the pastors here. Thank you to Kevin and his team and to our, our mainstays uh, who helped lead us in worship this morning. Appreciate it. Um, nice for Lindsay to have a, a week off. So uh, we are, if you're new here or just joining us online or whatever it might be, uh, we are in a series dedicated to Colossians. Colossians is going to take us all the way through the end of, of July. Um, but, you know, fair warning, and we've already talked about this, we're not, we're not looking at Colossians um, evenly, okay? We're, we're, we're focusing most of our time in chapter one, and, and chapter one of, of Colossians is this beautiful, rich, almost like an expose into who Jesus is, and, and we've been talking about that the last couple weeks. This week, we, we continue in that vein uh, in chapter one. In fact, we're really not going to make much headway into chapter one, to be honest. We're only going to read like three verses, okay? But you will find that is plenty, okay? So, um, Last, this week also kind of plays off of last week. Now, even if you didn't, even if you weren't here for last week's message, that's, that's obvious, that's okay. Uh, but to kind of understand where we went and where we're going today, uh, last week we, we talked about how um, the, the way that Christ kind of meets humanity, the way that God meets humanity in, in Christ. And, and this week now we look at the result of that, that by Jesus' death, humanity is reconciled to God. So to put it really, really simply, um, last week uh, we talked about who in, co- in terms of Jesus. This week we talk about how, how the, the person of Jesus is enough to forgive us of our sins and, and bring us into right relationship uh, with God. So, so like I said, we're only going to read a few verses today. We're going to kind of stop along the way. We're not going to read them all at once and we're going to break them down together and then we're going to bring it all together at the end uh, before, we, before we close. So, we're going to be starting in Colossians 1.21. If you've got a Bible with you and you follow around, along, we're going to be jumping into some other texts as well, but uh, just kind of keep your thumb in, in, uh, in Colossians 1. So here's how it starts. Uh, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. All right, strong start. So, feeling good about yourself? Right, excellent. Okay, so a lot of us, I think that especially if you grew up in a church or you grew up in a in a ho- in a like a, a home or a, a Christian home, I should say, um, <laughs> grew up in a home. Uh, uh, if you if you have some experience with Christianity and faith and all of that, um, I think that we start to kind of develop this um, this muscle memory almost, where uh, when we hear sin, we think uh, grace. Which is good. That's the gospel, after all. That that there is sin, uh, but God. But God takes that step towards us, and and there is this solution to to sin. And so, um, again, that's kind of our intuition. We we hear sin, and we think grace. And uh, 
Paul is going to make that same move here. We didn't read it all the way. In fact, the next thing that, that we will read, that we will get to, uh, is uh, uh, but now he, but now God, right? So, so Paul is going to get into grace, but I want to kind of stop here and stop on this for a minute because uh, to, really, to really understand and to value grace, we have to understand that which necessitated uh, the grace in, in the first place, okay? Because if there was... I mean, if there was no such thing as, as grace, uh, the story of humanity would be extremely short, okay? You'd have, basically, if you were to, you'd take your, your big bulky Bible, and, and without grace, that Bible would become uh, about two and a half chapters long. You'd have, the, you'd have the fall, and then you'd have, that would be it. And there would also be no one around to read it as well. So it's a pretty lame, pretty short story. Um, but uh, that is not the end of the story, but we want to f- stay focused for just a moment on sin. It says that once uh, you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Okay, so let's say this in a little bit different way, uh, but to use it as a, as a jumping off point. So basically what Paul's getting at is he's saying that sin separates when it gets down to it, sin separates. Now, that's not what sin is. Sin is, is, um, is falling short of the standards of holy living. That's what sin is. But the effect of falling short of the standards of, of holy living is that sin separates us. Or again, as Paul says it, uh, it alienates us. It, it causes us to be, to be enemies. So, so, you know, we're enemies. We're alienated from God. Why? It's because of, of sin. Sin got in the middle of there and broke it up and messed up the connection, and so sin separates. But sin separates us from what? Well, the first thing, sin separates us from others, okay? It separates you from others. You think about any broken relationship in, in your life between you and another person, or maybe it's a two broken relationships that you just, like one broken relationship among two people that you see and that you know that you care about, but they're just like, you know, they just, something, it's like oil and water now. It, it, it wasn't always that way, but now it is. Sin separates relationships. Where there are broken relationships, there is sin. So it might be your sin. It might be their sin. It's probably both of your sin. It's definitely not neither. Okay, sin, somewhere along the way, someone said something or they did something that they ought not have done or they ought not have said the way or done or the way that they did it. And as a result, maybe, maybe, maybe as a result, there were many reactions. And eventually you just get to a point where there's, where there's a breaking of relationship. And why does that relationship get broken? It gets broken because sin got in the middle of it and broke it up. Okay, so sin separates you from others, but also sin separates you from God. Now, this is actually, um, this is actually very closely connected with the first in, in a lot of ways. And, and there's a, a fundamental misunderstanding among so many Christians about, about the, the basically making this way smaller uh, than it is. That, 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 um, that we come to think that all that God cares about is uh, how we treat him, Right? Um, all God really cares about is how, you just need to treat him really well, okay? And, and what does that mean? It means like, okay, you, you go to church, you keep the Sabbath holy, you, you, um, you pray enough to, I don't know, make him happy, make him content with that, whatever. You, you, you give, you, um, you, you don't use the Lord's name in vain, you, uh, you know, all of these things, all these things that we would consider kind of vertical morality, right? Like I am treating God the way he wants to be treated, Okay, golden rule applied to God himself. I'm, I'm treating him the way I would want. I'm, I'm treating him well. I'm honoring his name, 
right. I'm doing all of these things. And so because my vertical morality is in check or my vertical ethics are in check, then I must be good with God. And while God cares about that, absolutely, those, that vertical morality is important. It's not all that God cares about. And we can go to all kinds of places. For, we, we've talked about this before. And we can go to all different places in Scripture. But we're going to go with one that we've already even sung about. John 3.16. So many of us know it. Uh, in fact, if, if you know it, and, and we already sang it, so you already kind of said it. So if you know it, though, I want you to just read it with me. Okay, John 3.16. For God so loved the people who are good. Good, good. So you probably learned that in Sunday school. And um, no? Oh. All right, let, let me change, uh, sorry, a typo. That's not my fault. That's um, Andrea's fault doing the slides. Uh, she, uh, no, uh, no, no, no. For God so loved the people who loved him. Is that it? Closer, hot, cold, whatever. Um, how about this? Uh, God loves the people like me, just like me. God loves them all, as long as they're like me, as long as they're like you, right? No, that's not it. Let's try to get a little closer. How about this? For God so loved the Republicans. <laughs> Is that it? No, no. That's not. How about this? For God so loved the Democrats. Okay, so we could do like a cheer and see which one's closer. Um, no, we're not going to do that. All right, hey, say it with me for real this time. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. Okay, now here's what that means. It's when, when you sin against a person, you sin against someone that God loves. You can't honestly think that you're okay with God when you're not okay with that which he loves the most. Okay, now I've said this before and I'll say it again after this. If you, if you hate my kids or you hurt my kids or you speak poorly about my kids or you kick my kids, what I, if you devalue my children, we will not be friends. We will not be okay. You can devote your life to honoring me you can, you can write songs and sing them about me. You can give me the first fruits of everything that you produce. You can give me 10% of everything you own. It doesn't make up for the fact, and it doesn't make us okay if you devalue that which I love the most. And you are God's children. And the people around you that you interact with day to day are God's children. The way that we treat other people, it absolutely has bearing on the, on the connection that we have with God. So whether we sin against God or against other people, that sin is separating us from God. It's alienating us uh, from him. And, and what's worse, actually, what's worse is that we, like, we don't know how to fix it. If you knew how to fix it, you would have fixed it already on your own, but we don't know how to, we don't know how to fix it. In fact, we don't even know how to, how to stop breaking the things that, that, that we're breaking. And so um, I mean, this is why the consequence of sin is death. It's because sin separates us from God, and, and separated from God, there is no life. And so, so what are we to do with this? Well, now we follow our instincts from sin to grace, okay? So Colossians 1.22 says, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through, the, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, and free from accusation, 
okay? So if sin separates, reconciliation is what brings it together. If sin breaks things, reconciliation is what mends those broken things. Um, often we refer to God's kind of fixing of those things or meeting us in those, that way as God's forgiveness of us. However, and I'm not nitpicking, and you'll see why in a second, it doesn't actually say forgiveness. It implies forgiveness here, but that he uses a word that's bigger. Paul uses a bigger word than that. He uses the word reconciled, okay? Those are not the same thing. In fact, it, it's, they're not hard to figure out. It just comes down to simple math, okay? Reconciliation uh, takes two. Reconciliation means God forgives and we repent. Forgiveness, forgiveness takes one, okay? So, for instance, you have uh, someone, say you are one who is offended or you are hurt by another person, okay? Forgiveness is within your control, getting them, forcing them to repent or to acknowledge that they've done something to you or that what they've done is wrong and that they've hurt you, you don't have control of that. And that's hard. But forgiveness, forgiveness is, is always, if we are the one who has been offended, and forgiveness is always in our, like the ball's always in our court when it comes to forgiveness. But reconciliation takes two. And it's hard because you don't have control over the other person, right? So you can't make the person do anything that they don't really, that they don't really believe or they, they don't, don't want us to do. And so when it comes to the story of salvation, when it comes to understanding salvation, we can understand it through the, the lens of reconciliation. That salvation, your salvation, is an event of reconciliation in which God forgives you and you repent in return. So it's bigger than just his forgiveness. God, God extends that forgiveness to all people, but those who repent and take hold of it, those are the one for whom the secret sauce is mixed, and you have salvation through reconciliation. However, there is a, um, there's a really beautiful detail here, and it's a detail that comes up in, in various places throughout Scripture, and it's kind of like a little hidden gem that you get to discover every so often. And it's also something that makes our, our, like our Reformed tradition, I think, really beautiful and wonderful. Admittedly, it was something I had kind of a hard time grasping and accepting for a while, but now I've come to, to really love it. Um, it it's this, that, that um, Christ goes a step further than just his forgiveness, but he, that God also gives us the gift of faith in order to believe and repent, okay? Paul says it a little more clear way uh, in, uh, in Philippians. He says, but now he, as God, has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, okay? God gives us faith to do our part because God is the one who gives us faith to believe, okay? So that, that's not, uh, yeah, that's, um, uh, here's another one from Philippians. I might have I skipped that a little bit. I messed up around it a little bit here, but uh, uh, here's Philippians. Here's actually Philippians. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ to believe in him. That's the one that's a little bit more clear. Sorry, I kind of got those, those two mixed up, okay? So, so um, who gives us the faith to believe? It is God who gives us the faith to believe. Um, you think back, you think back to a time before you knew Christ, before you were 
were a Christian or, or, or you think back to a time before you had taken ownership of your faith and, and the faith that sustained you as a child became the faith that would sustain you uh, as an adult. You think back before that time, it's, you gotta ask the question, where does that desire to believe come from? Where does that internal desire to believe come from? To want to, to know something bigger than ourselves, to feel like there is something bigger than ourselves out there. Where does your desire to believe come from? Well, according to this, according to Paul and, and what he says in Colossians and Philippians, and he's saying that's God wooing you. That is God calling to you, calling you to himself, giving you, offering you the gift of faith in order to believe. We were alienated from God and to bring us back into right standing with him. He does that work. Uh, he does that work through his grace. Now, I think sometimes salvation gets understood like, um, like going Dutch at a restaurant, okay? Um, this is kind of like the opposite. Like, like going Dutch, it's where like, okay, um, you know, you each kind of pay, pay your bill, right? So, you know, so, so God pays his debt in, in, uh, the, or hit, pays his bill um, uh, with forgiveness, and then, and then we pay our bill uh, with repentance, Okay, and then, and then when, when, when both of those are, are rectified, then, you know, poof, I don't know, you have salvation. Uh, you, you have the bill is paid, the debt is covered, right? But, but what I'm saying here is, is a little bit different. Uh, what Paul is getting at here is a little bit different, which is that um, Jesus pays his bill, and then he slips you some cash under the table, and then you pay your bill. Did you pay it? Yeah, you paid it. But did you? Who gave you that money? Who gave you that ability in order to cover the debt that you owed? You were reconciled by Christ's physical body through death. All right, let's keep going or else uh, we're never going to get out of here on time. All right, Colossians uh, 1.23, continuing on. Now, this is a continuation thought. He says, if you continue in your faith, establish and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So he starts with if, meaning that it's a conditional, it's a clause. Okay, so if, basically saying that, that what, com, what came before is contingent upon now what, what he says here. That through Christ and his reconciliation work on the cross and in your life through the Holy Spirit, that you gain a, a new relationship uh, with God. And we really have to, we have to see that relationship that we have with Christ. We have to see it in in a similar way as we see human relationships. Sometimes it's, it's hard to conceptualize how you have a relationship with God, you know, and so some, it's good to sometimes kind of pull in our knowledge and understanding about, about relationships with people that we, that we do see in front of us and, and kind of understand how they, how they can apply. Well, in this case, relationships, if they're going to be fruitful, if they're going to continue and, 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 and stand the test of time, they have to be cultivated, right? They relationships are active, they're not static. That's what I'm trying to say. They're not static. If they are static, they just don't last that long. They, they fizzle out. And that's important because I think sometimes we look, and we, we've talked about, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We're going to go a little further with it now today. Um, sometimes we look at and even maybe overemphasize the conversion event in, in our life to the point where Christianity becomes um, just this one-off experience, like this thing that, that happened. Um, Christianity is, is not just making a faith commitment and being like, oh, thank goodness, not going to hell. 
you know, got my get out of hell free card, fire insurance, right, whatever you want to call it. Like, I got, I got this thing to keep me from the bad thing, okay? That's not what it's about. That, that's included, granted, but that's not what it's about. Um, there's a certain irony to this language that I'll use, but, but ground, I'll say grounded faith moves, Okay, grounded faith moves. Here's, here's what I mean by that. I'm going to pull from Ephesians uh, a little bit here. Um, uh, that when you are grounded in the hope of the gospel, which according to Ephesians and Ephesians 2, um, that we are saved by grace through faith, not, not, by, not by works so that none of us can boast. Like if that is what you are grounded in, that your salvation is the work of Christ, that you have nothing to brag about, you have nothing, you can't pay it back. It just, it is who you are. You are a product of grace. Well, then we can move on to the next verse, which Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And the good works, they confirm the reconciliation in Christ. And good works are anything but static. Good works keep us on the move. Good works help to, to keep our, our eyes set on Christ in our day-to-day life. And... Um, let me, I'll put it like this, and then we'll, and then we'll move on. Um, some of you, you, you may have had, um, every faith experience is different. The way that God kind of puts an impression on our hearts, and, 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 and whatever it is, whatever it takes, the way that God meets you in a way that kind of pushes you over the fence to say, yes, I, I believe. I believe in, in who Christ is. I believe in what, what he did uh, for me. I, I believe that my identity is, is seated in, in him, right? So, so whatever it is, that, that kind of experience, um, we have to keep moving forward after we experience. Because if we don't, and I've seen this in myself and I see it in other people, um, if we don't, uh, we look back at our faith commitment, which may have very well been years ago, but we look back at our faith commitment as some sort of like strange past experience. We wonder like, was it real? Or was I just having like this emotional, you know, whatever, like did, did, did the environment overcome, like was it real? Well, yes, it was. It was. You were fully justified to Christ in that moment, uh, right? But, but it was not intended to be enough to get you all the way through. It's enough to justify you certainly before God, but that's the beginning of the journey. It's not the end of the journey. It's the trailhead. The rest of your life is the trail to come. And so, so, we ha- so continuing in the good works that according to Ephesians that, that, that God has prepared for us helps us to, to stay focused on that so that our grounded faith really is one that moves and helps to continue to ground us in the grace of Christ. All right, last little bit here. End of, end of tw- uh, verse 23. He says that this is the gospel you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. All right. So when we talk about proclaiming the gospel, um, evangelism, whatever, you, you know, telling people about who Jesus is, which isn't something that we just do with, with people who don't believe the same things we believe. We, we're also called to preach the gospel to one another, to be continually reminding one another of, 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 the, uh, of the gospel. But when we, when we talk about that, um, we, we're usually talking to humans, right? Like no one's ever misinterpreted something I've said when I've been like, go and, and, and proclaim the gospel. And you're like, good, I'm gonna go talk to my dog. 
my dog needs Jesus, or a bear. Bears are so aggressive. They just need a little Jesus in their life, right? Like, that's not, like, we don't think that. We think about it on human terms. So what's he, what is he talking about here? The gospel that you heard um, that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven? So, like, I mean, seriously, do the raccoons know something that we don't know? Like, what, what does this mean that somehow this gospel has, has reached all creatures, that somehow it's bigger than just us? Well, well what this means, what Paul is, is getting at here, is in this, in this mysterious, beautiful, unfolding work of, of Christ, that the resurrection was a shockwave event. The resurrection was a, was a cosmic shockwave in which his grace and the power of the resurrection permeated all things, not just you. This is bigger. This is bigger than just, you know, your personal relationship with Jesus. This is bigger than that. This is this gospel shockwave that has affected all things, and it marks the beginning of the renewal of all things. Someday Christ will come again, and he will renew all things. The resurrection was the shockwave that began that, and because because the, this renewal is bigger than you and bigger than all of us, it is the whole world, it is all of the created order. So that shockwave has impacted everything as it marks the beginning of the renewal of all things. Um, and, and because of that, it's, it also means that the gospel has preceded you. Okay, it means that you are not, even, the, even though I may say this and, and other people may say, you may say it like, like, you know, bringing the gospel to other people. You think about the admission trips or neighborhoods or whatever, bringing the gospel. Technically, like that's not true. The gospel has already gone before us. This shockwave has already occurred. You and I, we are just waking up to what God has been doing for so long already. We are not, you and I, we are not like levees that are controlling the flow of the gospel and the flow of the Spirit of God into the world to do the work the, the, through the resurrection power. We are not levees. We are tools in the hand of a God that has already gotten to work. Already gotten to work long before you even realized and even made sense of these things to be a part of it. So God is renewing all things. All things are being renewed by God. And it's being renewed by his grace, the same grace that calls us to have faith, that calls us to be partners with Christ in this renewing efforts. And yes, he is the one who's doing the renewal efforts, but we still have a part that we play. As Ephesians says, we have good works prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray. Jesus, again, thank you for, for your word. Every, every time we hear your word, God, I, I just wish that we would, I wish that every one of us would not lose sight of the access that we have to you. God, that you meet us in our day-to-day -day life. You reveal yourself through scripture. You connect with us in ways that um, beyond just scripture in our day-to-day -day life. Jesus, I pray that we would cling to your word as, as the true testimony of who you are, the true testimony of you, Jesus. And God, thank you that, that you have done this reconciling work on our behalf. God, that through your grace, you meet us. You don't, you don't pay us back what we, um, what, we, what we do to you. You don't smite us like that. God, you love us. You are there with us. 
you are there for us. God, when, when life doesn't go our way, and when does it? I pray, God, that we would cling to your promises. Promises not to give us an easy life, but promises to be with us. And God, I, I pray that we would not stand in the way of our own renewal. That as you renew all things, all things over this world, God, thank you that, that we are a part of your renewal. That you didn't just leave us after the fall, but God, you have continued with us in your mercy and in your grace. So God, you are here with us. You meet us in this place, but God, you go with us as well as we look to discover and wake up to the things that you have already begun in this community. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.